motivated? Get educated. Get growing your property empire with the How To Property Podcast with your host, Ryan Luke. Everyone, welcome back to the How To Property Podcast. Thank you so much for everybody that has left a review so far and subscribed to the channel. If you haven't done so and you are enjoying the show, please head over there after this. On this episode, I have got Daniel and Jeremy from Cove Properties. Uh, One's from down south and one's from just around the corner. And uh, they have a property sourcing business up in the northeast. And they work very, very hard. And I think it's um, we've been trying to get our heads together for some time now. It's the first time I've had a trio on, so uh, broke that duck. And um, just really want to dig into deal sourcing. I think it gets pitched as a very easy business. And I think the reality of it is somewhat different. I know I had George and Hannah on previously from, from Wales, and they, they do some sourcing down there, and they were kind of highlighting the same. And... But that being said, you guys have proven that you can actually, you know, do very well at it. So the hard work does pay off. And, um, you know, it is an avenue that you can go down to get yourself started in property or actually, you know, use as your property business, you know, if that's the, if that's the way you want to go full time. So, so welcome, guys. Uh, thanks very much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. No problem. Yeah, so, really excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um yeah, I mean, the listeners, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger and, you know, people seem to love the shows and the way we're doing them. So I just want to continue doing it and getting like-minded people on, entrepreneurs that are budding. I think, um, am I right, Daniel, today's an important day for you? Did I say that? Yeah, yeah. Day? Well, so. I mean, it's, it's my first week full-time at Cove. Technically, I've been doing it six months because I've been on furlough <laughs> forever, but... Um, but yeah, it's official, official first week. So last week was my, my last week at works. I worked an architect's in Newcastle. Um, I was so, I was weird, weirdly nervous about handing my notice in. It was just a scary thing, really, especially in the middle of a pandemic. But um, yeah, it's, things are going well, so we're just, we're just pushing on. Yeah. I think things like that force you to take action, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, you, you, you're well and truly out of your comfort zone right now. Yeah, definitely. You just got to go for it. So, no, that's awesome. Oh, well, congratulations yeah, think, you know, on we've that. Taken, we've taken a lot of, like, steps like that. Just, like, just really just pushed the, ourselves forward and just forced, you know, forced ourselves to take some risks and to take some leaps, or leaps of faith, really. Um, you know, obviously, I, I left my job in August. Dan's left his job now. So we're both on the, you know, both on the on the payroll. And, you know, we've got a team of five so we've accelerated quite quickly considering we only started sort of 11 months ago but you know I don't I I'm trying to think of a different way would we have done it any differently I don't think we would I think we've we've benefited from the fact that you know the the pandemic's happened and that has actually given us some some benefit of the fact that Dan and I were on furlough for quite you know a number of months so yeah. that you know that has really helped our business but you know the the acceleration has definitely come and we were speaking offline before about the benefit of essentially scaling through you know bringing on more capacity and bringing on more resource through you know hiring staff and um you know we've done that quite quickly and um which 
some might say it was a bold move, but for me, it's kind of like, as you said rightly at the beginning, um, it's an investment into our business and it will pay dividends, you know, in yeah. the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there is always that scarcity factor, but then, you know, I'm actually having this conversation with one of my mentees at the minute and he's at that, and I'm sort of saying, 2021, you're going to do it. Like, you're going to put the, you're going to be out of your job because you've effectively built your business to where you are now on a weekend. Like, imagine what you can do with another five days at it, you know, and let's think of that as opposed to thinking, well, I'm losing my security blanket of my monthly mm-hmm. income or whatever it might be. Um, Belief so, in yourself as well. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember when, because I'm, I'm the sceptical one out of me and Jez, believe it or not. And I remember was, was, when me and Jez first started this, while we are in work, full-time work, I was kind of like, they, see, it, they make it look too easy on, like, online and like it's not going to work and it's just a bit of a, it's a bit of a fugazi. It's just a, you know, smoke and mirrors and stuff like that. We started started doing it, and we started to realize it does work. And the same thing with staff. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't transfer my specific skills onto someone else. They're not going to do it as good as me. And you know, all these all these kind of skeptical oh, yeah, yeah, ways yeah, of yeah. thinking. And they're actually doing better than me. So I'm like, totally just, you know, they're just doing amazing. So it's, it it just shows its belief, isn't it? And, and yeah, uh, I think once you put, I, I was exactly the same. So you know, I. I wanted, I did everything myself and I didn't want anyone, no one else could do it better than you. So you think, um, but I think if you're an entrepreneur, that's your mindset. But then I like, I've got a marketing girl that, um, she's literally come out of college. In fact, she's still going through college and she blows me away every week. Like with just what she brings to the table and you just like, honestly, I'm like astounded every week and the work ethic and everything is just like superb. And, at first, I was like, oh, I've got to do all the marketing. I've got to do all this. I've got to write all the content. I've got, you know, I've got to pull all the posts out. You know, I've got to vet them all. But when you start trusting in people, and I think then they deliver even even more. And, and as long as you support them in their role and give them the, the training they need, then effectively you create just another another one of you. Or in some cases, like, you know, I've said this a million times, I'm not very patient, so I'm not probably the best person to deal with guests or tenants. So you know, for the, I think if you can identify that in your business and then say, right, well, that is something that we need for the business. So it's going to have to happen. But if I'm not the best person to make it happen, then who is and, and get that off your plate. And then obviously the business is a better business because, you know, if, if you're not very good at something. So, so how, um, how did you guys meet? Obviously you're not from the same area. So yeah, it's funny. So Jez actually posted in one of the property groups, he was just looking for some advice because he wanted to invest in, in the Northeast. Cause I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot lower entry than London and yeah. um, get on the market and get some decent cash flow in. So I, I agreed to meet up with him um, one, one day. And uh, I just, at the time I just didn't, didn't think anything of it. It was just kind of giving some advice, giving some value um, and telling him. It was a good pub as well. So that was a good yeah, first impression. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it, so yeah, so I just told him the areas that I would invest in personally and kind of, became friends and then he kind of evolved into he was like well do you want to help me find a property kind of thing like a bit the same same way a salsa would and then it kind of progressed even more and we kind of realized who about each other's kind of strengths um so jesse's like super analytical super organized and it's very good with numbers i'm very i'm an architect i'm very creative quite good with sales weirdly my dad's a salesman so we kind of joined together and was like, should we, should we try this out as a, as a, as a business? You know, let's try that. You know, we're both passionate about property. 
Um, we've both got some really good talents that together combined really works for sourcing. Um, and the, the rest of history, really, we just kind of started off part time. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was that was like a year ago. And now there's seven of you, including you two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Superb, yeah. superb. Yeah. So let's dive into um, right now. I know I've just changed tact a bit. Literally yesterday, had a chat with my team again this morning about what we're going after now because. You know, the traditional BRR, BMV stuff is certainly hard to find right now. Uh, harder than ever. It's always hard to find, but I think right now it's harder. Um, I know we've put a, our offer acceptance ratio is pretty poor all of a sudden, and it was quite, it was sitting quite well. I'm assuming you guys are finding fairly similar, or have you changed strategies, or, or kind of how are you dealing with that? Weirdly, no. Weirdly, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what's happened, but like, well, usually it's about, we're getting about, Six or seven offers accepted, and we sell about five a month. Mm-hmm. But we, we we had like five offers accepted last week. I don't I don't know whether it's just this is just a fluke kind of month. Um, but yeah, we we've sold four last month last week. Sorry, so I don't know whether it's kind of the the market starting to you know get a bit better or I, I think three of the three of the offers that um were, were due to them coming back on the market through sales that hadn't gone oh, through. Which yes. I think, you know, that's going, there's going to be a lot of that in, in terms of decline mortgage applications and, uh, you know, things falling out of bed. So I think us, by by viewing a sheer amount of numbers, we're going to start to get more of that coming back, you know, falling through and coming back on the market. So yeah, I think that's, that's the kind of reason why we had a good week last week but um i think it's going to get better i'm hoping yeah. anyway yeah, yeah. no I, exactly the same the one that i'm hoping to complete on next week that was i made an offer on it and then four weeks later they came back and like right is your offer still on the table okay. um but we're definitely not getting as as much of the view and put your offer in negotiate within 24 hours and get it accepted mm-hmm. it definitely is the sort of stuff dripping back onto the market and then i think they're realizing that they've missed the boat for the crazy pricing and they've got a you know maybe the stage and actually talking them a bit sensibly and sort of saying you know things have changed slightly i know i revisited one this morning and they're now thinking about it <laughs> which is a positive step in the direction i have had to increase slightly but uh before it was just a flat out no they wanted market value and that was the oh not market value they want the price it was advertised for so um i think it's a i think it's a numbers game isn't it Oh yeah, 100%. You, yeah. I was just about to say, yeah. Completely. Yeah, the reason why we're progressing and getting more is because we've got more, we've suddenly got more staff. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's the only reason, really. But it's like COVID testing, isn't it? You test more people, you get more people with COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. So um, okay, cool. Well, what um, what what's been your biggest challenge so far? It's a good one. <laughs> You give separate answers if you want. I think letting go in order to grow has been one of my biggest challenges because I, I have a specific way of, I do things and most of the process mapping in terms of deals, <clears throat> I, I, I basically like we, I run deals, Jez runs investors and, and, and project management and I've kind of process mapped most of it myself and, and, and lived it myself and to let go of that and to let go of what some of the stuff that I even enjoy, for example, to 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 um 
teach someone else and let them take it on, even though I'm, you know, at first I was kind of afraid that they might not do it as well. That was kind of hard. But I think like now it's been a few months and they've been trained. They're doing better than I actually in anyway. So it just shows that you just need, yeah, it's it's letting go to grow, I suppose, and just kind of, um, yeah, just kind of moving, moving onwards and upwards. Yeah. Yeah. But what about you? I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, with any business, with any startup, it's just an absolute, and I wrote about this on social media the other day, it's just an absolute roller coaster, up and down highs and lows, you know, um, so there's, there's obviously challenges at all points. I think, um, I think one of the it's a cliche, it's an absolute cliche, but I think one of the biggest problems or challenges we faced is actually f- uh, getting a good build team in. That's one of the biggest problems. You know, that's 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 caused us a lot of. You know, we we got burnt uh, earlier in the year, um, quite significantly burnt, um, and I think that that rocks us a little bit because we put quite a lot of trust in and there are some personal links with the the this person and the builder and the those that meant that we trusted this person more yeah than you might otherwise do yeah and then i think so so on two fronts from you know there was a fallout of the problems that that caused in terms of various refurbs that were left sort of AWOL and left hanging and le- left in, in the shit, really. Um, but then also from a sort of relationship perspective and a trust perspective, I think it knocked both of us to sort of say, well, <laughs> who can we trust? Mm, yeah. You know, when working with people, we thought we were a fairly good judge of character and we've absolutely misjudged this. So it's kind of like, you know, struggling to work out what we can learn from it and how what we can learn from our judge of character, maybe. Uh, and so, you know, if you if you follow that through, you kind of say, well, maybe we don't trust anyone. But then that's you can't do business when you don't trust anyone, especially, do, you know, in a world of, of property, which is a very much people focused, partnership focused. So. Yeah. What? Yes. What do you do with yeah. that? What do you do with all that? There's think, a lot of emotions there, and obviously, I think I think that you know, in most, you know, I think you've got to kiss a few frogs, right? Yeah, to get where you need to be. I'm sure. I'm sure Ryan's done that a few times. I've gone to court. I've gone to court with a builder, um, which has been dragging on since <sighs> January last year, I think, and then just kept getting put back, and then obviously COVID's happened, and da da da. da but yeah. You know, I think you know it, it. It takes time and 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 iterations to get to get things right. And I think we all. I always say this to Jez. You know, it's a blessing in disguise because it's led us to our current build team, which are amazing. Mm. Or, and it's not often you get a, a builder that's organised. Do you know what I mean? And structured and and and. <laughs> there's and too many winging it. Like there's yeah. so many just winging it. And you know, they so, have so it. it's allowing us. I mean, we've you know we've got twelve plus refurbs coming up. Mm. Um, and we're actually confident that we can do them. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. with some with some some builders that aren't aren't as stru- and that's the thing. It's the admin side of being structured and understand and being a business savvy in that way. Yeah. Um, 
that's the that's the risk, isn't it? I suppose, and and that that's the thing. And, and I'm glad we've do, we do we haven't done it with that the other builder. We haven't scaled with the other builder because imagine you know it's all right him messing up on one job, but imagine if it was on seven. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think yeah, and it also you know you got to see the positives of what it what we've gained from it in terms of what we've learned. You know, huge learnings, um, and it, it's definitely put you know it's shown us what we can you know if we can make it through you know, alter, altercations like that, we can, we can make it through pretty yeah. much anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. Just a couple of things there just to pick, I think for me to pick up like one, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent grateful that that's happened. And, you know, as Dan said, without that, we wouldn't be where we are today. I think in terms of the build team that we have, but also I would probably say in terms of Dan and I's sort of partnership, that was a really like stressful it was probably the biggest challenge we you know when all that shit came to came to pass or came to bear i should say you know that was a really pivotal moment on the biggest challenge we had faced and we both you know stepped up to it and like we got through it without you know taking that stress out on each other and yeah. it probably solidified that that relationship so on many ways we are kind of grateful that 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 happened. Happy that you got really shafted. Demonstrates it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's right. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad. We should look loud, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it happens. And as you say, as long as you, as long as you survive and you kick on and you get better, then great, yeah. you know. And you just you just tick it off as a as a as a learner, as you say. So I guess one of the biggest questions most deal sources or you hear deal sources all the time is, do you find the deal first or do you find the investor first? We've done it both ways. Yeah. We've done it. We've tested it both ways. And for the way that we do it now is we find the deal first. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I'm, I mean, I, I don't source deals. I know you guys do and we speak quite a bit, but um, I'm a firm believer if you find a good deal, you'll find some money to take, take yeah. over that good deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I think a lot of people go on the hunt for investors so hard but then actually forget that they've got to go and find a deal that you know there's no point in having someone's money yeah. and then not being able to spend it for them mm-hmm. or invest it for them rather than spend it but um yeah no so. i mean it really is it's a really difficult balance it really is and you know we've had times when we have not we've had one without the other mm-hmm. um and they don't always seem to match up but i think you're right that you get to a point and if you've got a really cracking deal it won't be a problem getting rid of it yeah yeah and do you take anything on yourselves what's sort of the long-term plans for for cove yeah so we've we've had an offer accepted on our second second um property for our for the cove portfolio which i think will be it might be an assisted living property um so yeah so we've we've got one about six months ago so we're getting another one now so yeah we're slowly building up our own but we're waiting on the refinance coming back, so yeah, that's yeah. the plan. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is what's the sort of what's the plan for twenty twenty one? Yes, do you want to answer? Well, I think I think just to answer the other question, I think you know, uh, we're, we're fairly ambitious in terms of where we want this business to go, and I think you know, it's probably quite clear, and the fact that you know, the way that we've set up so far is that we're here for you know the long term we're here for you know 
we're building a, a like essentially a property brand here. You know, we're we're coming at this from a I suppose a different perspective. You know, we're we're building a I suppose a company. Yeah. Um, and that's I think that's the way that we've approached sort of scaling up so far is the way that you know that a company would approach it rather than you know the way that it's maybe taught in some. Um, yeah, some I, d- I go through this all the time with too many people get into property with a strategy, but they don't even think about yes, like property is not a strategy. Property is a business. Yes, hundred percent. And there's a lot of yes. elements to it, but. As you say, a lot of these courses and that just teach you, oh, well, go and even, even down to like the, the bare, like sort of go and do rent to service accommodation. All yeah. right, but there's, there's also a back-end business that needs to happen yeah, for, yeah. That to, for that strategy. It's all right, well, go and find in the deal and then maybe chucking some furniture in and listen it on Airbnb, but then what next? How do you mm-hmm. manage it? How do you pay staff? How do you pull all this together? You know, and, and I think that is one thing that is massively missed from most educational platforms that you see out there. Um, I find it really interesting that, the, the, you know, they teach about the basics of sourcing, the very, very basics, but they don't teach anything about project management or refurbs or CDM or like, you know what I mean? Just contracts. Like it's just mental that, that, that none of that's covered. That's what will kill you, but your um, profit, your gross turnover that, you know, if you get a job wrong and it costs you 10 grand you 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 know you all your profit plus some's gone do you know what i mean and you got to be really careful um you're dealing with a lot of complexity and a lot of um risk and it's you need to apportion that risk you know appropriately yeah. um and they don't teach that in, i just don't know yeah. well, in my experience they don't teach that in the courses no so where did you guys start education wise what 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 made you get into property what obviously architectural background no doubt but yeah. yeah for me it was it you know i've i've been working in residential architecture for over 10 years so i've been working you know doing going on site um doing working drawings stuff like that and and even working with contract administrators so looking at um looking at contracts and different stuff like that um that's what you kind of get trained to do in your in your in your part three in your seventh year so i've always known about refurbs and property and and how it works and worked with developers in the past so i suppose i had a bit of a level up in terms of knowing what goes on and and sequencing and stuff like that um but i I haven't actually done any education myself um jez you have haven't you you've done some what you're doing now yeah i i've i've mainly trained with progressive um so I've done a few courses with them. I'm currently on their VIP like year long mentoring program. Yeah. Obviously probably the worst year to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, in terms of, cause you know, it's now all online, but, um, yeah, th- you know, that's, that's been, that's been good. And like the fact that we can still do the mentoring course has been re- a real benefit, um, to, you know, to our, our, our business. Um, and, yeah, in terms of the wider I get into property, I mean, it's a cliche, but I essentially was, you know, <laughs> I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and was my mind was blown and the world's turned upside down by that book. Um, well, I read that book in conjunction with reading Four Hour Work Week as well. Oh, yeah, good book. Yeah. Um, whilst I was in like having some time out between jobs in India and I was like, my mind was just like racing with the possibilities um, of a kind of new way, <laughs> new way of looking at the world through those two books. So, um 
yeah then i started to you know to do do training uh last year and with an aim to leave my job you know this year through you know actually achieving passive income now what's actually happened is the opposite in some ways you know yeah. organically <laughs> organically dan and i uh, you know met and now we started the you know our investments business and the sourcing business which is the opposite of passive income yeah. um absolute opposite i know we've touched on it a little bit but like sourcing is you know it's hard work and you know the amount of time the amount of properties you need to to look at to get a deal is is incredible but also all the work that goes around as dan said the project management um especially at source when you start get, getting a scale of of projects coming through yeah. so yeah i i got into it for, for for passive income reasons um but at the same time i am a real um believer in 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 design i really you know grand designs is one of my favorite programs love it you know that kind of like geek out on that definitely and so yeah massive kind of design fan and you know my my dad was a builder as well so i've kind of you know i suppose some ways housing and property has been in my blood but i think another big passion of mine now is which you know which we're bringing into the business which we're going to do more of um you know in the future is that um I, I, I've worked in the charity sector for quite a long time and one of the, the charities I work for and one of the big passions in mine um, is homelessness. Um, I worked for Crisis, the homeless charity, for two years and uh, that supporting homelessness um, and the inequality that is in our housing sector um, in this country is a big passion of mine and something that you know we're trying to do more of and think more of as a business and that's the one of our long-term to answer your other question before actually one of our big long-term visions is that we want to make the uk housing sector better and you know actually try and maybe support like you know and improve it in terms of like homelessness and we're not even sure what that looks like yet but that's kind of like the vision and where we want to get to um and yeah we've got some some ideas in the short term about how we're gonna things that we're gonna do and we're, we're gonna be hopefully launching something in the next couple of months actually which we're really excited about um and we don't really sure if anyone else is doing anything like that in property um so yeah there's a whole big passion around essentially about housing and people being given good homes i, I think you know that is a that is a real big thing for for Dan and I that you know a home is such a big responsibility i heard on our webinar last month and um, we had tom from fat properties and he he had a phrase that really resonated with me he said something like as landlords we are giving you know we're providing someone a home and that is a huge responsibility that we need to actually think about because it is it's not just it's not just some numbers on a on a sheet on a spreadsheet it's not just some returns someone's actually going to live in this home and you know the you know maslow's hierarchy of needs right is all about one of the key things on that is actually having a safe and secure space to live in mm-hmm. and that is the responsibility that we have as property investors to actually provide that which is why again we're dan and i are really passionate about shaking up the way that um i suppose the old school 
um, do property, which is like shortcuts. Everything's about re- uh, reducing cost as much as possible and not actually giving any shit about the, yeah. the tenant and the and, and treating them as, as essentially as a customer and seeing the long-term benefits as you said, Ryan, actually treating it as a business and looking at it as a business, you wouldn't treat a customer by taking shortcuts on, if you were selling a product, you wouldn't mm-hmm. take shortcuts on that customer. You would look for the long-term value of that customer that they would give your business and treat them as best you could. Yeah, Why aren't we yeah. doing that in property? Yeah. I think the, um, the landlords that do the cheap and cheerful now are just getting blown out of the water with, you know, the likes of, of you and I know and myself, we, we, I don't go crackers on the spend. I just offer value for money, you know, and we, and as you said, we create a home, a home away from home for the contractors. If it's, you, you know, service you accommodation, nice, Brian, you do Sorry? make, some, you, you make some nice touches on yours and, and you think about it and that's, that's mm. the thing. It's like, yeah. you know, it's not just hardwood floors, so it lasts forever, and I don't have to replace the carpets in a few years, and you yeah. know, and let's just put the magnolia on because it's easy to just get it touched up. And you know, I think one thing I find though is uh, one, we get our properties rented very quickly, as I'm sure you guys do. You know, seven to ten days, I would say, on average. Um, and two, and I've had this quite a few times now from a few different lenders. They've actually said to uh, my mortgage broker that they're willing to lend us money uh, because they like the, the standard we put the properties in. They can see that we invest in our properties because ultimately they're buying into that as well with their yeah. money. So they like to know that it's, you know, reliable and, you know, it's good quality stuff. So that has played in our favor a few times, especially recently when they are being a bit stricter with certain people, no matter what your portfolio looks like or how much revenue you've got coming in, they are being quite picky. So that's played, um, not quite nicely in our hands, you know, it's done intentionally so that we get a better tenant, a home that lasts a bit longer for us. Um, and as you say, you're providing a nice place for someone to live, which I think yeah. is important. So, so now no, that's awesome. Honestly, hearing, hearing that is, is awesome. And, um, you know, a lot of people, let's be honest, get into property for the money, especially at the beginning. And then it becomes probably more about time, um, which yeah. is kind of where I'm at at the minute. And then, um, you know, but you know, charities and giving back and all that sort of stuff is definitely up there. I think once you've um, once you've ticked that box, that's absolutely awesome to hear that. Um, so it's so a well done on that. So as we come towards the end, um, as always, I kind of get you guys to fire a couple of questions at me. Um, so either one each, or fire away, or tag do team. one each. Then <laughs> yeah, I'll do one. Um, what po- so what point were you at in terms of your business when you were doing it yourself you kind of like working on the business yourself when did you stop working in the business start working on the business when did you start to transition out of that that period and how long in your journey i um when i smashed my head open put myself in hospital i had stitches um everyone was telling me like i looked like shit and i was burnt out and and that's when i realized i had to if I wanted to continue to scale at the same pace that I had, because uh, I kind of got hold of the rent-to-rent strategy. I was bubbling along, you know, with BRRs and, and bits and bobs, and then I got hold of the rent-to-rent strategy and realized how quickly I could scale that. And, that, and then I just went hell for leather on it. But I then I burnt out, and then I realized I needed help. So I took a few months off 
uh, acquiring stuff and just pro systems and process the whole business, tried to automate as much as I possibly could. And then I started to get help in, in terms of, I think my first was a VA to run the guest management. And then I got a bookkeeper. And then I, cause I remember one night just sat there reconciling. And when you do service accommodation, there's a lot of transactions mm-hmm. go in and out, you know, and that's one thing that probably they don't teach on the courses. There's a lot of transactions go in and out. And, you know, good old booking.com, they don't actually tell you what properties it's for either. So you've got to go and search every invoice to find out who it's for. But, um, yeah, so, and then it just bit by bit started to, to scale. And then I think I mentioned before, I read the book Clockwork, and that just opened my mind to um, how far you can go when you, they talk about, like, protecting the queen bee role of the business. So at that time, the role, like it still is to this day, like acquiring properties for cash flow. That's our main business focus. Obviously we work on a multitude of strategies, so I'm not bothered whether it's HMO an SA unit or rent to rent or a BRR, whatever. I'm not bothered as long as we acquire it for cash flow. But what I found was we were, we stopped acquiring property because all the time is getting spent doing operations. So I had to change that. And that's one thing that made me change and start investing in people and saying, right, your job is now to do X, Y, Z. And that means I can continue to inquire properly. And then I've kind of just slowly but surely scaled all that to the point now where I pretty much, I don't really acquire property now. I just sign it off and check the numbers. And I've got, you know, the team out there looking at deals and, um, you know, bringing the numbers forward. So I think it's a natural progression. you could probably do it, you know, quite often I speak with, say, some mentees who are in full-time employment, they've got good jobs and they don't necessarily want to leave right now, but they're struggling to move in their property journey. And I say, well, hire someone to go on viewings for you, mm-hmm. you know, pay somebody to go on viewings, but they can't seem to see the mindset that that's worthwhile paying money for. It's weird. Well, the only reason we've like accelerated in, in terms of deals is because well, you know, me and Jez have sat together and gone, right, how can we make this better? Because we've had the time to do it and we're not, because we've not been doing the actual tasks themselves. We've been working on process maps, improving things and improving systems, creating up with creative strategies to add additional deals and, and, and revenue in. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how it's happened, you know, and, and that's by letting go, you know? Yeah. No, 100%. I think when you get that time to work on your business and step out of it and just yeah. um, work with your team to... Still, you've still got to have a key focus on core KPIs. Like, you know, you you guys are probably have right your deal source, but you must go on this many viewings a week, and you must find these many. You know, and and as long as they're getting hit, you know, naturally the numbers are going to spit out the bottom end. Um, But it's it's taking that leap to empower somebody else and trust that they're going to do just as good a job as you could, and you bring the results in because the last thing you want to do is stop earning money. You know, and it's so it's it 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 is a it's a it's a hard decision to make, but once you've made it and you start to realize how much better things can be by working on the business all the time, um, you then just want to hire every person under the sun that can possibly do a job for you. (laughs) Absolutely. Um. So yeah, Mike. Shall I go? Uh. So what has been your sort of biggest failure, and what did you learn from it? Hmm. Um. Do you know what? The current project I've got on the go at the minute has probably been one of my biggest failures. 
considering we've done like umpteen number of refurbs, um, I I should have took it back to brick and I didn't. And it was one of those calls that I made and probably being a bit of a cheapskate on the day that I made it, thought, oh, we'll save that wall, we'll get away with that. And, and, and it's ultimately cost us not only having to go back to brick pretty much uh, 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 like three weeks later, but the delay on the project. Like we, we should have had tenants in there six weeks ago. Carpets have just gone down today. Like, you know, so that is, that's one of the biggest, like the ramifications from such a small decision in my head at the time mm. um, and just not really analyzing it. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest mistakes. Another mistake is um, not starting sooner, 100%. Uh, not getting, um, you know, I picked up my first property in 2007, but it wasn't really until the last three or four years where it started to really scale because I didn't really do much between 2007 and now. I didn't educate myself. I didn't learn about creative strategies. I didn't know how to execute and, and I didn't really do much about it. But then once I got hold of it and realized the power of it all, then I just went hell for leather with it. Um, so, but yeah, not, not starting like anybody now with, you know, back in 2007, there probably wasn't the wealth of information that there is now as well. So if you're like, and I say this all the time to people, if you're not acquiring one or two deals a month, you're doing something wrong. Hmm. You know, these people that are, you know, they're, they're, they're out there and they're busting their gut and they're going on their viewings and they're, you know, trying to get the deals. And they're like six months down the line, they still haven't got a deal on nine months down the line. They're still hmm. like, there's something fundamentally flawed in your process. If you cannot find, especially rent to rent deals, you know, they're, they're easy to find, you know, you should be able to get one or two of them a month, no problem or wherever you are. And if you're not, there's something fundamentally broken in your process. But not many people will investigate that and say, what's wrong? They'll just continue, you know, the old Einstein sort of methodology of insanity, yeah. just banging the same drum every week, hoping it's going to change. But if it hasn't for six months or nine months or even longer in some cases, why is it going to change next week? Um, but do you know so- what? I actually think it's sometimes it's not just process. I actually think it's mindset. Oh, so I speak, to, I speak to some people, as I'm sure you do, who – They've been looking for deals for a long time, but none of them meet their criteria. Yeah. And it's because their criteria is so stringent and they're so risk averse that they don't want to make the leap. So they Mm. have to find that unicorn perfect deal, that no money left in, that 30% ROI, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Uh, And until, and so, but you can imagine the amount of uh, money that they've lost out on by waiting. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I, 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 I just touching on that, I, at the start, I was very much like, because obviously you've only got a smaller pot of money, so you're like, I want to get as much out as I can so I can go again. But now I actually think of like, and this is a conversation of this morning again, it's like the opportunity loss. So yeah. there's no point having money sat in the bank. So it's all well and good saying, all right, I found a deal. It only leaves four grand in it. I'll have my money back out in 24 months or whatever. And, now, and I, I need to get another 10 of them. All right, great. But if none of them come up in the next six months and you've got money sat in the bank, well, you could have had a deal that left eight grand in and you'd probably be in the same situation, you know? And so it's, and, I, and that's probably easier to say when you've got a bit of money around you to invest in a few things rather than trying to like always squeeze the most out of one. But opportunity lost through time has to play a massive factor in, in what you're doing. You know, 
and, and especially with you know super rent strategies that you've got today, you can make a lot of money out of some properties per month. You know, owned HMOs and SA units, bigger ones, can make 15, 18 grand a year, you know, mm. net profit done correctly. Mm. You know, and that's a good chunk. You know, you, that, that one of the HMOs I've just <clears throat> uh, bought, that's exactly the same. I've probably left more than I wanted to in. But when you analyze how long it's going to be, the money comes out, it's going to be, you know, around, I think it's about 16 months or 17 months, which isn't a bad deal. It's just the size of the money that's getting left in on paper. You're like, oh, that's a lot of money. But really, it's no different to leaving six grand in and getting 250 quid a month net rent and that taking its time to come back out that side. So, um, yeah, just a lot of things to, to consider. And I think no matter how experienced you are, you always learn stuff every week. And as long as you get better from it and, um, and you continue to network, speak to people, you know, I'm never too proud to ask a question you know it doesn't matter who you are and i think everyone yeah. can learn from everybody which is great so um so yeah yeah i think i'll just just say on that i think that's actually a really good point i think you know as a that's something that i've sort of like definitely considered more um is you know and being reassured by other podcasts that i listen to like other from other kind of industries about the amount of learning that just goes on every week and that you know every single week and every single day i reflect on you know things that we've learned on that day that i wish we had known at the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week and mm -hmm. i've heard you know i've heard uh, reed hoffman who's the founder of linkedin say that that analogy of you know he had that all the time and i you know i think it's just reassurance that it's okay if you don't know things and it's and as part of this whole process it's okay that you're just learning and making mistakes and because you'll be better for, you know you'll get so much from it and as we've all discussed our biggest challenge was you know such a huge learning curve from it but we're actually really grateful it actually happened mm. yeah Oh, I mean, I'm the same, you know, and I've done full rip outs before. I've done back to bricks before I've done, you know, and, but it was just a decision that it could have gone either way. Right. And that's, but that's, that's life. Yeah. That's property. You know, it could have gone either way. I could have been, it could have been perfect. We could have just, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, we are where we are and, and you learn from it. And next time I get presented with that decision, it will be probably a different answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, But, but that's, you know, if we're going to be investing for the next, however many years, decades, you're going to get a lot more of those decisions. So as long as you then, your next 10 decisions are the right ones, then fair enough, you've learned well off that one and it's probably served you well. So um, anyway, thanks for coming on, guys. How can, um, I, I like to connect everybody at the end of these shows. So how can people reach out to you? Um, what are you, I know you guys have got a, an awesome webinar that you run. How can people get involved in that? Uh, do you want to just let everyone know? Yeah, so we, so we run... The Cove Property Meet, which is in the Northeast, it's a networking event, but we also, because of the pandemic, we started running a webinar, um, Cove Property Meet webinar. So that's on uh, the last Thursday of every month. Um, we get some really good speakers on. It's kind of got some, <coughs> got some good traction. So um, <laughs> Missed that one, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like coughing up. Me, your, like, your invites in the post, right? Oh, right, yeah, I'm waiting for that one. We've got to win 2022. Is it's a long list. That's long I might learn a bit more by then. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, so um, 
you can if you if you follow us on uh, if you follow the Cove Property Meet and Cove Properties on Facebook, um, and we'll, we we usually go live there. We also have a Zoom, um, which we which we host. So uh, yeah, we usually have some really good speakers on every every um, every month. So yeah, t- tune into that if you can. That'd be great to see you there. Perfect. All right, guys. I love you and leave you, and awesome. uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much, Ryan. Thank Thanks you. So much. Cheers, guys. Bye.